0: Darkness falls across the land The fingering hour is close at hand In crawls the bars in search of plunge. A hairy spam wallet in which to plunge And movies beloved shall be bummed Without remorse, nostalgia is thumbed And listener thieves will have no luck as the Basic hails, get to fuck. The whiskey will flow on each review. As classic films are watched anew. Week 1 has a house, a gimp, and a gun. It's like the bazi's abode, minus the bum fun. Week 2 has a haunting from a burial ground. A Tobe Steve Spiel Hooper production all round. Week three is a portrait of a serial killer. <laughs> the Baz can't wait to consume this thriller. thriller, thriller, thriller. <laughs> Week four is a king tale of Salem's Lot. The Baz could be divorced for the Blu-ray he's bought. And to close out the series on Duncan's hysteria, while he listens to the Baz sodomize hysteria. So strip off, bend over, and assume the position. As the Baz christens your new October tradition, remember, put down the gist-proof polythene. And welcome, dear listeners, to Baz This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone, and welcome to the podcast under the stairs. This is Basaween, episode number four of 2018. That's right, we are past the halfway mark. Oh, just breathe it in, breathe in the feeling, breathe in the feeling. We're almost touching Halloween in places that it does not want to be touched without consent. We are only one more episode away from finishing this fantastic series. A series which has seen Baz pick five movies and run the train on them. Thus far, some huge titles have come and gone in this epic series. Baz took on, in week one, The People Under the Stairs. In week two, he took on a little movie called Poltergeist. And in last week's episode, he looked straight in the eyes of Henry portrait of a serial killer swinging it into this week the baz is going to undertake a movie which needs no introduction but i have to because that's how podcasts work um he's going to face off against a movie by a director who has in his credit maybe the best horror movie ever made ever 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 uh, and i don't think myself and the star of this episode would disagree with that statement he has also some of the worst movies that have ever been made in the horror genre as well so let's just let's just take that into consideration as well however in 1979 he got handed the the keys to the king kingdom um, and produced a little tv movie which was later released as a movie called salem's lot to discuss that movie he is the star of this series. He is my co-host. He is, of course, my very dear friend. He is the man, the myth, and the legend, the Baz.
1: Hola, my
2: sexy, sexy little Bazoween youngins. <laughs> youngins. <laughs> whoop, whoop. That's a bit <laughs> from the film, man. Apparently it's main talk for youngins.
0: Because uh, the
2: Baz fr- loves the youngins.
0: Yeah, that's not a, in that's a weird a, way. Yeah, that's it's an audio a, clip. We don't yeah. want taking it out of context.
2: <laughs> Let Let's take that out in the edit.
0: <laughs> let's
2: not. That sounded uh, terrible on retrospect.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, oh dirty, dirty fan, Miguel! You've done it again, sir.
0: It's always doing it, Baz. Blame it on the booze. Don't blame it on the sunshine. Don't blame it on <laughs> the good times. No, uh, blame it on the dirty Spanish booze. The dirty Spanish booze. Uh, yeah, so we are in our fourth and uh, penultimate episode of the series, looking at Salem's Lot. Now, Baz, I uh, I need to ask you, what yes. was it about Salem's Lot that made you pick this one for week four?
2: Um, In general terms, much like all of the other ones, I felt it was... One of the fairly iconic movies that I've mm-hmm. just not covered. There, there is a handful of them um, that we've still just never gotten near in the five yeah. years we've been doing that, the the Basby Horror stuff. Um, and Salem's Lot was a big one. It was one that I knew very little about other than the name and the fact that it was a Stephen King one. Yeah. And that lack of knowledge will bear fruit shortly <laughs> when uh, I discuss my confusion over this film. But yeah, I just felt it was one I wanted ticked off the lists. Like I say, I mean, we've done uh, The People Under The Stairs, uh-huh. we've done Poltergeist, you know, they're fairly big names. Henry, fair enough, that was a bit of a more of a left-field kind of indie flick. Um, but one that I really, really wanted to see for various reasons based upon other films I'd seen. And of course, Suspiria is a big hitter in the genre as well. So it really just that
0: is one of these films I want to have seen. And I now have yeah this is um, in a lot of respects this movie here uh, Salem's Lot is what gives I would say comfortably um, not knowing it as hardcore fact but I would say this is what gives Spielberg the the idea of hiring Hooper to do Poltergeist because if you look at if you look at um, uh, Hooper's work prior to this he obviously came out with Texas Chainsaw Massacre which, you know, was a home run but was considered a very nasty nasty little movie when it came out um, and then he followed it up with I think it's Eaten Alive which is, once again, a very, very nasty grindhouse little movie uh, the fact that Hooper got given Salem's lot to do is quite surprising because it's, it's certainly away from what he had shown before but then shows different Levels of filmmaking and technique and storytelling as well, which I think then leads into Spielberg saying, "Right, let's let's do Poltergeist guys together." Obviously, we've covered this already. Spielberg, um, as rumor has it, rumor has it uh, <laughs> rescinds that pretty quick um, and continues on, and then we see a weird coke fuel binge of a decade, which is the eighties, where, where he does everything from uh, Life Force, which has naked vampire aliens um, trying to destroy London and uh, things like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 which has uh, which has our good buddy running around with two chainsaws screaming about I am the Lord uh, so I mean he, he went a bit off the rails and at this point I think this is probably I would argue to a certain extent this is his most kind of restrained and cohesive and um, and it helps that you're working off well it helps and hinders that you're working off uh, a Stephen King work in that you have, you're have. you not writing your own story you're adapting someone else's story um, the hindrance is that it's a particularly long story and we'll get into that when we discuss the movie uh, it's like they were scared to cut things out but it's <laughs> it's like there was a fear of chopping stuff out the book um, I'm just going to say Sometimes less is more. Less is more, guys. Less Indeed. is more. Uh, that's but what yeah, I tell I mean... the wife. <laughs> I'm sure she loves that. As long as she
2: believes it. As long as she believes
0: it. As long as she believes it. As you probably hear, I am choked with the cold. Um, this is what happens when you are. I'm trying to think by today's count. 16 days into the 31 of October challenge you're live streaming you're recording more podcasts than you've ever recorded uh, and you're sleeping less than you've ever slept uh, eventually all comes back which, for, which
2: for you is a terrifying statement to make
0: yeah yeah well yeah i'd like i'm, I'm currently operating at about an hour and a half a night um Good. this month oh, this oh, i don't know why it's so little it's not as if all my time has been you know consumed by doing other things it's just my brain will not fucking switch off um at all it's like constantly churning um so yeah so i i have come down with the cold however i am thankful on these episodes that i do as little talking as possible and the baz runs with a show which means that i can save and soothe my voice with this very fine whiskey that i have sullied with um a little drop honey and some hot water what do they call that in scotland baz a hot toddy, motherfucker. A hot toddy, I'll tell you. It, it tastes fucking delicious. If only all medicine was like this. Do you know I cannot go hot toddies? You can't. Why not? No.
2: Well, I've, it's been a long time since I've had one, in fairness. And the last time I had one was before I drank whiskey. Oh. And I just remember getting it with really quite hot water in it. And it was that way it hit my mouth and just all the... Alcohol just evaporated into my mouth, and it, it was an awful experience.
0: And I've never ever had one. I should maybe give one a try now that I actually like whiskey. Aye, aye but don't don't use a don't use a uh, like a really expensive one. Use a kind of non-dis. Use whatever one you would use to do your uh, whiskey mac.
2: Yeah, well, see, I quite often if I'm feeling a bit cold, full of the cold myself, I'll go with a whiskey mac because the green ginger cleans the tubes
0: out quite well as oh, well. Yes. Yeah, see, see, that, any excuse to get a little bit of whiskey in your life, Baz?
2: Hells yeah.
0: Hells yes. Now, we have a very long movie to discuss. I would say it is the longest movie we have ever discussed on podcasts under the stairs by quite a bit. <laughs> I would
2: say that it is two perfectly average-length films.
1: <laughs> Before Cunning- cunningly, this
2: cunningly disguised as one movie by a cruel prankster
0: (laughs) before we we take our first break though there is a couple of things that have happened um, in in the world of horror that I I want to get your take on now one of them is that we are going to attempt to plan I say attempt to plan because I know what things are like with both both of us we try and do these things and they inevitably fall through but we are going to both attempt to get out together with the big sex bomb Dave to check out the new Halloween movie at some point over the next we got too. Are you excited the for mon-
2: that? I am. The money grabbing whores at Cineworld emailed me today, in <laughs> fact, to tell me that it was out and the Halloween was coming early. It um is. and yeah, I, I am I'm really desperate to get to see it at the cinema. Never seen any of the Halloween films at the cinema, obviously. Um so this would be a big first. I was quite jealous, I saw you were there the other night watching the original. Is that right? Yeah, it was it was half empty the cinema as well. That's just, just a crying shame, sir. A crying it was, um, shame.
0: It was... Um, I had a 15-minute documentary at the start where John Carpenter was just talking about his experiences making the movie, and then the movie itself, which I, like, I loved. Um, and uh, I was supposed to go with the wife, and the wife wasn't feeling well, so she kind of cancelled last minute. So I sat on my Todd... Was in the cinema with a large popcorn which i never but you know what i'm like it's always coffee when i go to the cinema but i bought myself yep. a large popcorn uh, which i struggled to finish a large uh, carbonated soda which i struggled to finish um, and i sat and i watched one of my favorite movies um, of all time uh, on the big screen and um, i would love to see it's one of those unique experiences but uh, I have seen Halloween in the cinema, well, in a theatre, about five times now, so... Um, oh, have you? Not a whole unique, but yeah, oh, yeah I've seen it low. Every time it plays at the cinema, I go and see it, so... Uh, and I would love to see that this is like one of these one-off things, but it regularly plays. So uh, if you ever want to do it sometime in the future, next time it's showing, I will grab you and we'll go and check it out, because it, it is, like John Carpenter says in his little interview, it is a movie that benefits for seeing it with a crowd. Um, yeah, and what was good about yeah. the view and I saw is there was obviously, there's old school horror fans there, but there was people there that clearly had never seen the movie before engaging the reactions, sometimes things landed for them, and then sometimes things were absolutely 100% cheesy uh, and evoked a little giggle um, so, yeah this is what happens when movies reached the grand age of 40 um, so yeah it was it, it was great though. so I'm looking forward to that, the other thing I need to, to grab you on though, and this is super important Baz, this is uber important Baz uh, news broke that the new wrong Turn movie won't just be, now there's been a lot of talk about this once again eerily out of the back of our series on it happens every the, time. The,
2: the curse of teapot strikes again my friend yep, at least nobody in,
0: died this time yeah, thank God, thank God, although we'll start to cover Suspiria and if Dario Argento passes away after Suspiria, Baz, I will not speak to you. <laughs> Just letting you know it in, advance. Um So, yeah, there's been a lot of news circulating in. It sounded like the rumoured seventh instalment to the franchise was finally going to make its way and they have since said, no, 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 no. It's not going to be that at all. Uh, Actually, what it's going to be is a remake, a reboot. And, um, yeah, I just want to gauge your opinion on this because the last three movies were technically prequels leading into the first movie and they changed so much of the backstory of those characters. It kind of made it, like I said to you, nothing would tie up and nothing would make sense. It almost makes sense that they would do a reboot, so to speak, or a remake and just follow on from that horrendous backstory so it will be hopefully faulty towers um, but with inbreds uh, what's your thoughts on the the potential wrong turn reboot?
2: Yeah, I think it was Michael McCloskey, one of our listeners, posted about it on the Facebook page just a couple of days ago Duncan, Uh, my my flabber was well and truly gasted I have (laughs) to say I kind of They've just clearly run out of any any idea, regardless of how ludicrous it is to take it forward, and they've just started it again. Kind of thing. But annoyingly, well, the original ones were the only good ones. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, I just yeah. don't know how it makes
0: it any different from any other long-term movie. Nah. We nah, didn't get just... any. Like All the origin stuff was in the prequels. Yeah. So I'm going go to end up ma- going
2: to see it. I guarantee you I'll go and see it. Or I'll at least watch it when it becomes available, kind of thing. Um, I've got this weird OCD collecting thing with these films now. That when I've seen one, I've got to fucking see them all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but aye, uh, just a weird, weird decision to remake it. And like I said, if any fucker's going to remake a film, let's remake Salem's Lot. But we'll come on and talk about that in a minute. Nice, nice, and uh, that's
0: a perfect setup, Maz. Perfect setup
2: they are like a pro in this It's like, like it was rehearsed, but it wasn't because we rehearsed fuck
0: all in this show. And it shows. Uh, yeah. so we're That's why take... we keep talking over the top of each other. <laughs> we're going to take a break <laughs> just now. Uh, you're going to hear promos for other podcasts that do exist apparently out there on the radio waves. Uh, you're going to hear the trailer for Salem's Law. You're also going to hear a song per- personally created by The Baz and when we return, we're going to be discussing Toby Hooper's adaptation of Stephen King's Salem's Lot from 1979. We're going to be right back to discuss it right
1: after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They
3: must be destroyed on sight!
1: The new podcast Cure All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of...
3: They must be destroyed on sight!
1: As needed, and let the hosts... Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic... Dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, brochures itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. too long, and now at last, he's come home. The men fought at Valley Forge. Daddy, come back safe. Home to the childhood memories, to the old familiar faces, to a life unmolested by time. And with your saints, let him rejoice in your presence forever. We ask it through Christ our Lord, amen. Home to Salem's Lot, a town too good to be true what was that did you happen to notice the time when the boys left we shouldn't have gone through the woods it's a shortcut well, then they should have been here half an hour ago wait Danny wait something is happening something terrible Henry where's Ralph. Oh. where's your brother Once the kid disappears, then this. You're not leaving Salem's lot, are you? I'm not leaving. Don't you understand what's happening? Do you? Yes, I do. It's in the Marston house. Good evening. I dreamed you slept there all night. Yeah. A little tired. Didn't sleep much. Last night I was dreaming. Somebody out there. Sweet. Sweet dreams. I let him in. Well, it's only all just happened since... Is... Since I came here. It wasn't a dream. Stop, holy man! You can do nothing against the master. That they're breeding on one another. The vampires are creating vampires. The monster wants you. It's a geometric progression: two times two times four times eight. There's a dead man upstairs. Bill. Yeah, you know I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Look at me. Ned Devitt's body has disappeared from the morgue. Thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. Bill. <laughs> And Susan's in there! Run! No! Look at him! Stephen King, the best selling author of Carrie and the Shining, takes you on a startling journey to Salem's Lot. And
0: welcome back. So, you've just heard the trailer for movie number 4 of 2018's Basilween. This is Salem's Lot from 1979. This is a TV movie which has went through several different incarnations. I dare say we're going to touch on that, but depending on when you saw this movie for the first time, you either saw a two-part both parts being 2 hours, so essentially a 4 hour uh, adaptation of this, or you saw a, I'm going to use the word condensed loosely, you saw about a 3 hour adaptation of this, or if you were in the UK, like I was the first time that I saw Salem's Lot, you saw about a 2 hour adaptation of this, so. The one that we are going to review uh, Baz will give us details on it anyway, but it's the one in the middle. Um, this is directed by Toby Hooper. Uh, it's based on the Stephen King novel of the same name, and the screenplay was adapted by Paul Munch. The cast for this movie uh, you have David Soul, The Soul Train. Um, He's and James- soul man! <laughs> <laughs> Just let your soul glow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, James Mason is in this one and I will try and refrain from doing James Mason impressions all the way through this. I I, I can't wait. Uh, Lance Kerwin, Bonnie Bedelia, Louis Ayers, Julie Cobb, uh George Dunza. yeah Yeah. Uh, El- Elisha Cook Jr. Ed, Fland- Ed Flander Ed Flanders? Oh right, that's Ed Flanders, not Ned Flanders. Ed <laughs> Flanders, not Ned Flanders. Uh, Jeffrey Lewis. Uh, who's a mainstay of uh, more recently Rob Zombie movies but a great actor and he's on right Every which Wee but Loose don't know if you ever saw that one with, uh... yeah, with the But Lancaster one no Clint Eastwood with the monkey yeah Clyde yeah. right turn Clyde yeah uh, Jeffrey Lewis is his buddy and that in those, in those movies um, and yeah there's other folks here let's not let's not spend too much time we'll, make, we'll mention the, the main characters anyway the synopsis for this one is surprisingly short for a movie that's three hours long uh, <laughs> it says a novelist and young horror fan I'm going to use young loosely here uh, this guy's not young um, although it was a different decade youth was different then um a young, uh, uh, a novelist and young horror fan. Oh no, that's right. You, no, he still looks. The kid in this movie looks like he's about 25 or 26. Like he's had a job down the mines. You know what I mean?
2: Right. It's quite he's like, I, I really don't want to comment on children anymore after moping and lying can We move on
0: from this. All right, let's. T- <laughs> a novelist and a young <laughs> horror fan attempt to save a small New England town which has been invaded by vampires. Um, yeah. This. Uh, this surprised me when it popped up on your list not because I didn't think you knew about Salem's Law or you that you that even that I thought that you would want to watch that that didn't surprise me but I just assumed that it was common knowledge that you knew how long this movie was no! and NO if the last almost two years uh in fact two years actually because uh, we was just celebrating his second birthday if the last two years have told me anything is... uh, Bazzi's ability to watch movies in general has diminished, let alone three-hour opuses. Um, Yeah, uh, so... When this propped up, I was like, oh, right, the bass must know this, and then we found out on a very recent recording, I think it was the people under the stairs, uh, that you did not know the length of this movie, and I kind of feel like someone didn't do their research. Um, so yeah, I, I made mind, a
2: terrible mistake.
0: <laughs> with that in mind, um, I, I am looking forward to this, because this is not your conventional vampire movie or vampire story, but in a lot of regards, it kind of is... Uh, you know it owes much more to something like Nosferatu than it does to Bram Stoker's Dracula and I am very keen to see where you land but before we get into that Baz this is a movie where our listeners have put forward their one line reviews and ratings we're going to do half at the beginning and half at the end this is a movie that Jerry Esposito said you'll enjoy Mr Barlow and he'll enjoy you four stars Uh, Ryan Jennings said Danny is a creepy dick took me years to look out of that window at night three stars Scott McKenzie of Scott and Liam fame says boring as fuck two stars (laughs) Uh, Ralph Pickler says about one of the few films that can generate and sustain a fear and dread of a vampire beyond your childhood years five stars in other words even for adults and seasoned horror fans this movie makes vampires fucking frightening at any stage of life adam claver says a eh, baldy vampire versus starsky in the scariest tv movie ever seen five out of five bo ransdell says james mason and barlow were obviously lovers Four out of five. Um, and our buddy Will McCurchy, I mispronounced that. How can I mispronounce a Scottish name? Fucking for shame on me. I'm going to blame the cold and the whiskey. Um, says, uh, <laughs> Starring the kid from Poltergeist in a film that made me fall in love with horror as a child. Five out of Five. Ooh. now I told you a story just before we started um, and we're talking about the, the enduring legacy of how scary this movie was when it came out and it literally did terrify the piss out of people when it, it appeared on TV because families just sat and watched this and that's not a good idea. Um, my four and a half year old um, was on her iPad beside me when I was watching this today and she started to pay a bit more attention to the TV and Barlow made an appearance and like I was telling you earlier on she shot across the couch like a fucking, like a meerkat looking for its burrow being chased by a lion um, and burrowed her head into the side of of, uh, my arm and um, basically would not settle down until I switched the movie off barlow terrified the fuck out of her and this is a kid that has grown up in a household where she will regularly see movies with jason Voorhees and uh, you know freddy krueger michael myers and doesn't bat an eyelid at any of them so there is something about the look of that vampire something about his eyes but something in the eyes um now that we know what my kid thought <laughs> now that we know what our <laughs> listeners thought uh, it's time to find out what you thought but as the floor is yours let us know what you made of Salem's Lot oh here we go folks
2: sit down and put your feet up this one's going to be a long one Um yeah I had no goddamn idea this film was anywhere near as long as this, and I think my first inkling was at the end of our Poltergeist um, episode, just two episodes Mm -hmm. in Bazooine ago, um, where I complained right at the very end about the fucking length of that film, man, I can't even watch these films at this (laughs) length, and you're like that, can't wait till you watch Salem's Lot then. Why? (laughs) Cause that's a really long movie. And even that was a lie, McLeish. This is two films of the version <laughs> I have is two films. Now, I've got a disclaimer here. I mentioned previously that I was going to be watching all of the Bazooine movies on Blu-ray. I have not got Salem's Lot on Blu-ray. I purchased it on DVD. To get Salem's Lot on Blu-ray in this country is actually quite difficult. The, what, the Blu-ray that appears on the UK Amazon um, is an American import. And I nearly bought it, thinking it might be region-free, but I'm 99% sure it isn't, so I didn't. The only Blu-ray appears to be a Steelbook edition that came out a couple of years back, which I believe you have, Duncan. Yep. Which now retails at about 30 quid new. Um, and it's yep. not any cheaper second-hand, to be honest. i are probably looking at at sort of 25 quid second-hand or something like that. Um, so, not having the spare cash at the moment, I just went bought myself a little... You picked the DVD up for about a fiver. Nice. So I picked that up. Having seen the film, I think I'm quite glad. I know you've said to me earlier on there that the Blu-ray doesn't offer much more in terms of picture quality, so I'm kind of glad I saved the cash. But yeah. the, the DVD does come with two discs. <laughs> I rather naively assumed that the second disc would be full of all of the usual crap that they pile onto these things. You know... What the various Blue Peter presenters think of Salem's Lot? Here's a fucking 45-minute documentary on it. Um, no, no, it turns out that's the second of the two films. I didn't realise it was made for TV. Yeah. Like I say, I knew this was a Stephen King one, and it's one of the ones that I hear, you know, talk about Stephen King. Oh, Salem's Lot was one of his big movies. So I assumed it was a fucking movie like all of the others. Didn't realise it was this made for
0: TV thing. No. It's it's important because of when it came out. So this is technically the This is the second? I wanna see. So Carrie's the first one in seventy six. I think Salem's right. Law is technically the second, 79. Um and then 80s is just full of them, so I think that's yeah. why it's kinda like a big deal, because this was like the return of, you know, best selling author Stephen King with his best selling book, Salem's Law, and T V form for everyone to watch. Um yeah. so I think that's where the big deal comes from.
2: Oh well it ruined my fucking life for about <laughs> the past week. Um am I confusion, right, it took me Honest to Christ, about 20 minutes to get started on the film. Right. My wife was away out. The the, the eldest son, the middle child, the, the teenage daughter was upstairs doing God only knows what. The older of the two kids was upstairs in bed. The youngest one was down with me and he was having a bit of a tantrum. And I'm trying to put this on. So I stick's in DVD one. Right. I'm then presented with what looks like a recap of a film and I'm like that. Right, no, that's the wrong disc. Pops the disc out, pops disc two in. It shows a recap of a film. Basically, this, because it was made for TV, and I actually, I do remember some American shows from this time did this, they did this weird reverse recap where they yeah. show you everything that's about to happen in the programme that you're going to watch. Yep. It's like the worst idea in the history of freaking television. <laughs> but this film opens with... So I was convinced that I... At one point, I was on Amazon looking about sending the thing back because I thought it had been misprinted in some kind of way. Anyway, I finally buckled. I thought, All right, I'll, I'll just try watching some of it. Um. It then starts in a place called Zimico or something like that in Mexico.
3: Mm-hmm. We
2: have a grubby looking little street urchin who's in a church with David soul. Who, despite what one of our ill-informed listeners said earlier on, played Hutch in Starsky yeah, that, and Hutch. Not yeah. goddamn Starsky. <laughs> oh, we, doing, Starsky and Hutch were literally my idols as a child. So much so that I have one of those roll neck cardigan things. Even to this day. The one with squirrels, you've seen
0: it. (laughs) I just try and and forget that happened. I
2: I still wear it quite a lot. I loved (laughs) Starscreen Hux as a kid. Um, And David soul was just the coolest guy on the planet. Um, And actually Duncan and I were discussing just before we came on here, here about James Mason and obviously his career... But it's like we were saying earlier. David Soul would have been the big name in this. he would be huge. You know, what I mean, yeah. um, he really was one of the biggest people on the planet at the time. Anyway, he is cutting about, looking rather dishevelled, with this grubby-looking youth. They are stealing holy water out of church. It's not a good. Uh, no, nah. the bottle <laughs> lights up like it's full of angel spunk or something like that. <laughs> and then the Soul Man's like, "They found us again." And then we're into the opening credits. So roundabout now, having gone on to like IMDb and looked at the plot summary to see it opens in Mexico, right? I'm on the right track. I think I've got yeah. the right disc in, right? So fucking stressful, Duncan. So stressful.
0: You, know, you can just you can just drop me a text message anytime you want just for clarification on something. I couldn't take
2: the ridicule. <laughs> Could not take the ridicule. Um, we get some opening credits. We're now two years previous to the scene in Mexico. Soul Man pulls up in his little kid-on-jeep thing. Stares at an old house like he's got a problem with. It. A dapper old Masonic-looking gentleman comes out. Looks about, and then gets into a fucking massive car. Right. Oh yeah. I cannot emphasise just how wide this car is, right? And how black it is. It looks yep. like they've taken Luke Skywalker's land speeder and converted it into a hearse. Right? Imagine that. That's what this old guy's driving about in. this Dollar
0: bill's y'all, Baz. Dollar dollar bill's y'all.
2: pass car. Hutch heads into the town of Salem's Lot. He drives past the kid who we recognise as being like the kid from earlier on, like the grubby little street urchin that we saw earlier kind of thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Um, Aladdin.
2: He's hanging out on a street corner. Weirdly, this kid does not come into it till a lot later, but anyway. um, There's a lot of tight we fill anyway, so it doesn't really fucking matter when he comes into it. This old dude uh, is setting up an antique shop. It's a weird premise for a horror movie, but okay. Um, he's watching the bold Hutch. He goes into an estate agent who is run by none other than Robert from Everybody Loves Raymond's father-in-law. That's right. Uh, and I'm sure the guy's been a lot more than that, but that's the only thing I can think of. It's so run by things. him. Run by him and this very randy-looking ginger woman. So randy. So randy. <laughs> Um, she, she's a big favour mine in this I've got to say anyway they who come up with a room in a boarding house and I've just written here I'm pretty sure the ginge is fucking her boss and uh, <laughs> I was bang on the nose with that one my friend Paskin's smelling a fear from 20 miles away smell a ginge from fucking 20 miles away sir Um <laughs> anyway moving on moving on estate agent goes to see the old dude Whose name is Straker? That's Straker. So you know he's a wrong and right for the start. Um, they mention his partner, Mister Barlow, which is a poor choice of name for if you're in this country, because the only Barlow I know is Deirdre Barlow from Coronation Street.
0: Oh no, God
2: rest her soul, but she was one of the blandest characters on TV. Um. Soul man checks into the boarding house, goes for a walk in the park. Behaves wildly over friendly with a girl who's just sitting there trying to read a book. She's reading his book, though. She's reading his book, but it doesn't give him the excuse to approach her like some kind of latent rapist, <laughs> which he does. Um, her name is Susan. <laughs> She talks to him about the book, rather than just saying, fuck off and leave me alone. <laughs> and then very quickly agrees to go for dinner with this complete stranger. Wrote the book, Lois. He wrote the book, though, was? He wrote the Okay. Right, if J.K. Rowling walked up to me in a park and said you want, Well, I probably would, because... You would? would of course you would. would. Yeah, it's J.K. Rowling as well, do you know what I mean? Anyway... I can't think of a good analogy, but it's just, it's not safe behaviour. It's in the middle of a park beside a lake. Anyway, that if Irvin night, Welsh walked up to you in a park and asked you to go to dinner, would you? I'd punch him right in his little hibernian supporting face. <laughs> I can hate Irvin Welsh. I really do, I hate him. Despite friends of mine having been in two of his goddamn films, I think he's a yes. <laughs> fucking me Edinburgh and Ned. right anyway sorry time. Irvin
0: if you're listening I know you're a big fan of the show uh, it's, it's been a while since I had a, a, a bad rant on a celebrity so uh, Aye. it makes me wow. happy <laughs> oh dear
2: anyway back to celebrity I do like David soul so it's night time, he's gone back up to this house. He needs to move by it, he needs to get on with his life and forget about staring at this hood, this house. Well, weirdly though, he runs into Straker, right? Who lives in the house, as we've already determined, <laughs> Who's, who comes across this stunning looking blonde gentleman, just staring at his house, and just walks by him, staring at him, and s- says hello, I think. It's a fucking. It's a weird, weird scene. It gets weirder, however, because Straker walks up to his house, right, gets to the door, opens the door, and then looks about for fucking ages before he goes in. And I've now decided I am going to do that every time I come home. I am going to get to my front door and just stop and stare about conspiratorially for a good... 90 seconds, couple of minutes
0: and then slowly just go in the door and lock it behind me. Do you Um, think if they chopped out, if they made editing choices to chop out a lot of uh, James Mason walking and looking suspicious from this movie the movie would come out at about an hour and 15 minutes? (laughs) uh,
2: Possibly if they also took out scenes of him driving, shrugging to himself. (laughs) there's a lot of that a lot of driving away looking over his shoulder and then shrugging nonchalantly like he's just got away with something what are you doing James Mason you literally just come out your house and got in your car and you you live at the end of the road and drove away (laughs) yeah we'll we'll get on to the editing in this fucking movie don't you worry sir anyway um, oh. estate agent estate agent what can I call him I can't can I just call him estate agent well, I did see his real name earlier on there hold on where was I was an IMDB his real name is Fred Willard we'll call him estate agent Willard
0: there we go estate
2: agent Willard and Randy Ginge are making plans to bone yep right there's an old Jake bag called Weasel watching them right we find out shortly that this decrepit tramp called Weasel was in fact married to the boarding house lady at one time who called him Weasel. Why would yeah. you marry somebody called Weasel? I don't
0: know, past Do you know the America, I mean? it's weird.
2: Uh-huh. It's like finding out like you're gonna out with a guy with your nickname, mate, Kiddy Fiddler. <laughs> you wouldn't go out with him anymore, would you? You'd be like Ah right, okay. That's a fucking hard pass for me. Do you know what I mean? How you doing, mate? What's your name? Weasel. Right. You do not sound trustworthy. I know it's a fucking assumption I'm making of you, but you sound like a wrong. And I'm not. No, I'm not marrying you. You sound like you're going to end up a Jake bag. <laughs> Anyway, the sheriff, the sheriff pays him to spy on the soul man. You know what I mean? Because if there's a, You want a chronic alcoholic to do fucking subversive surveillance on somebody. Do you know what I mean? Oh, oh then Juliet Lewis's dad turns up. <laughs> what the fuck's that all about? Did you know that was Juliet Lewis's dad? Yes. Yeah, I didn't. because Did you know? Oh, right. Nah, nah anyway he's even weirder he basically appears to live in a graveyard with a rabid dog and there's different this time, it's a different there time there's this <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> there's this fucking now this is the best scene in the whole fucking three hours right Hutch is just driving by in his car right Juliet Lewis's dad's just hanging about in the graveyard and Hutch just drives by and just stares at him right <laughs> and in my head I came up with this whole new dialogue Hutch is just driving along and he's like does that guy fucking live in there? <laughs> right and then Juliet looks, his dad's going like who's that cunt looking at it." <laughs> 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 And they both do it in like broad Glaswegian accents. That cunt lives in a graveyard. What's wrong with that fucking dog? <laughs> <laughs> Julia, this is that slut. he doesn't stop fucking looking at me, I'm setting this dog in there. <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah. We, sh- we should have done this film as our commentary this year because I could have stretched this scene out ad infinitum. Do you know what I mean? I would have I would just have done a the whole three rest three-minute
0: commentary though.
2: Yep, David Soul's internal Glaswegian dialogue. <laughs> I mean, fucking amazing. Anyway, if you feel it's turning the film off now, just turn it off because that's the best bit. David's, the look on David's soul's face when he's staring at him, I, I honest to God and you're pissed myself. It's brilliant. <laughs> oh, God.
3: <laughs>
2: the soul man goes for dinner with his new bird in her family, right? You can fast imagine him. She you knows a
3: guy who lives in that game, I'll <laughs> shit. This dog's <dunk's> fucking mental. <laughs> oh,
2: I need to move on for this Oh, right. Sorry, folks. Indulge me. (laughs) Indulge me. I I watched a three-hour film for you. You need to cut me some fucking slack. Right. The soul man goes for dinner with his new girlfriend and her family, which is weird considering we met her like an hour and a half ago. Right. Um, Her dad's the doctor. He's the one that tells him that his landlady was formerly married to Jake Bag Weasel. Mm -hmm. Um... And then, then in an ironic juxtaposition, we see Weasel ransacking his room and reading what he's been writing on his little typewriter. Such a uh, weasel. Oh, such a weasely little dick. <laughs> then his landlady X catches him and then joins in in a fairly serious invasion of privacy. All of the writing goes on about an, an evil house, right? And he's talking about the Marsden house, which is this manky old house that James Mason lives in that he's mm-hmm. fucking obsessed with. Um, Hutch then takes his wee bird Susan out for a drive. He's like, oh, wait, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? She wants to go up to the lake. One can only assume for some fairly heavy petting and moderate fingering. <laughs> um. I've then written... I've I've then written... There's a weird scene where Straker drives like a prick for no reason. (laughs) Excuse me. Which is is one of these scenes that we mentioned earlier on, where he's glancing over his shoulder and then looks all fucking smug for a couple of minutes. And it leads to nothing. There's nothing before he gets in the car there's nothing you don't see where he goes in the car it's just a little fucking 30 seconds of him driving like an arse um he gets to his little uh estate agent shop and he calls the no he gets to his wee antique shop and he calls the estate agent willard to come and see him and gives him a load of instructions about picking something up from the docks mm. um it says it's a sideboard. And you know you need to buy padlocks and um leave the keys for them all in the fucking cellar when they drop the item off and all this kind of stuff. I'm glad, like, mate, I'm not your I mean I'm an estate agent. Do you know what I mean? You appear to have me mistaken for a fucking removal firm. I let, it's let out houses. Do you know it's I mean? a
0: weird? Relationship because like the insinuation from the conversations here is that Willard's been doing lots of little various bits and bobs for him, all under the guise of meeting this Mister Barlow. Yes, um, who who, asks about at this point? Yeah, he's asked. Yeah, and the the kind of the cult of personality about a character that we know nothing about except his name is also on the house and also on the business. But he seems like fairly obsessed that you know he's gonna to go to these lens to get a removal truck down to the docks to pick up this sideboard which may be cursed because we have to put it under like seventeen layers of chains. Yeah. all this pish.
2: All in the vain hope that he'll get to meet Mr. Barlow. Yeah. who, who is clearly Straker's elderly homosexual lover.
0: <laughs> which is what Bo Ran still hypothesised
2: and he's fucking bang on the money. (laughs) Um, The little kid from the start of the movie then makes his appearance. He's called Mark, and looks remarkably like I did in 1979, although, granted, a bit older. Um, He does have the same bowl haircut. I'm assuming his mother cut his hair as well. (laughs) Or my mother cut his hair, one of the two. Um, He's rehearsing a school play, which apparently he has written, um, about the founding of the town, uh, like from the Revolutionary War period kind of thing, and we find out it was originally called Jerusalem's Lot, and that was shortened over the years to Salem's Lot, and I would like to think that in the book there is a cool reason for that. There will we be. We are not privy to it in the fucking film, however.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's one of the few King novels I've never read, actually. Um I've got the audiobook, I've just not done it yet, but it's one of the few that I've never, I've never fully went through. When we were doing our top ten of Stephen King, eh, the guests I had on to review that had said it's a great book, so um, I, I will get around to it at some point. But yeah, it's Stephen King. If, if like a fucking fly lands on a glass, we get like seven pages of the backstory of how the fly ended up on that glass. So
2: oh yeah, yeah, and it's all in this fucking movie. Um, <coughs> excuse me I appear to have damaged my chest quite badly laughing earlier on um,
0: Laughing at your
2: own joke H- yeah I know I, I think I'm funny um, Hutch turns up at the school and with this being pre-Columbine just wanders in oh, fuck. Um, basically to talk to his old teacher uh, Mr Burke and uh, who remembers him from being at school and says, oh, I've read all your books and no, all this kind of bollocks. Um, we can't wait. Right, Randy Ginge is a husband who's a truck driver. He turns up to talk to Graveyard Johnny, right? who is Juliette Lewis's dad? Yeah, lives um, in the graveyard. Lives in the graveyard, that's why he's called Graveyard Johnny. <laughs> Asks him if he'll do a job for some cash and it's basically to go and pick up Striker's fucking sideboard thing. He can't do it because he's got other plans which we find out about shortly. Uh, Hutch's new bud Susan has a fucking mental ex that we find about called Ned Tebbets. He turns up at the school. He's kind of stalking her. This does not put off David's soul because nothing does. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ra- Randy Ginger's husband is suspicious that she's getting the D. Oh, for the estate agent, she is. Um, And basically it turns out the entire town knows it and she's called Boom Boom Bonnie. Uh, Now, if you're going to marry somebody called Boom Boom Bonnie, you bring it upon yourself, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Like if you have a relationship with someone called Weasel.
2: Yes, exactly, Duncan. (laughs) Exactly. These ladies in this film do themselves no favours at all.
0: Sometimes nicknames are true, Baz. (laughs) <laughs> um, graveyard Johnny and Crazy Ned
2: Tevits go and collect the truck from Cully who is Ginger's husband they head for the docks in Portland Cully gets loaded heads over to the house basically to watch his wife cuckold him <laughs> fuck um, these other two heartless pricks pick up this crate and complain that it's too cold and then, when they're on the road driving home, it starts moving about of its own accord. Ginge, however, is a. Uh, she thinks her man's away to Portland to pick this thing up, so she gives her man piece the estate agent, the old all clear on the phone. And she's. <laughs> she's sporting an oddly alluring blue satin play suit thing. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, Duncan <laughs> has, has given the Baz a, a new fetish in his arsenal. Oh dear God. I'm currently in the process of scouring eBay for one of those bad boys. <laughs> and not in my wife's size, in my own. <laughs> hey! There we go. <laughs> um. <laughs> Hutch is out for dinner with his old teacher. Um, they talk about the old Marden house. Right, now we do actually start to find some shit out here. Hutch yep. talks about breaking into the house on a day when he was a kid. So we basically find out he's grown up here. Well, we did not know this from the school scene earlier. Um, and <clears throat> I can't remember if we find out now, but basically he's an aunt that had been a like a housekeeper up there at one time. Um, he had broken into it on a day um, and talks about seeing ghosts and this Hu- Hubie Marsden I'm assuming it's short for Hubert or something like that who must have been one of the previous owners and he talks about seeing him o- hanging from a rope uh, and then opening his eyes and looking at him and this is obviously where his whole obsession thing has come from and he talks about the house being inherently evil David soul keeps banging on about this through the whole thing like the house attracts evil because it's evil or some fucking pish. Pretty sure it's just full of vampires, mate. Um, not yet, it not Wait, I but oh, all right, okay. If you're going to be fucking pernickety about it, um, <laughs> they they then recount kind of stories of various previous owners dying mysteriously and kind of violent ends and kids disappearing. Um and then they're talking about how it's weird that nobody's ever seen this Barlow. Um Cuts to Mark's house. This is the teenager guy. Um there's these two kids there, the Glick brothers. Um they're practicing for this fucking play. They head home, take a shortcut through the woods. and uh, the, the younger of the two loses track of his big brother and then this dark figure looms up in front of him, which is the first kind of jump scare, if you like, in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I'd imagine in the late 70s people shat themselves. Um, I did get a little bit of a kind of bump, but you knew something was coming, obviously. Um, and, uh, this film is quite interesting t- uh, it's not a film I found scary in the slightest, but I'm sure it was at the time. And it kind of just shows you how things have changed over the years and also how fucking desensitised I've come, become. Yeah, there's you know there's, I mean? there's
0: one particular scene that we're going to get to very soon, <clears throat> which involves a, a kid, um, which yeah. is regularly cited as one of the scariest moments in cinema history because it's the one that terrified fucking everyone.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, we get that sort of little jump scare. Um, while all this is happening, the two hapless buffoons deliver the crate to the house. Uh, crazy Ned, he wants to pry it open, um, but then they hear something, they shit themselves and they run off. They forget to lock the place up, so they just throw the padlocks into the basement and leave. Straker comes home, he finds the crate all smashed open, um, and he's got the wee kid for the woods wrapped up in plastic. Um, and he carries him into the basement and leaves him there. So he was clearly the person that fucking grabbed him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Glick Brothers' parents are phoning about trying to find out where they are. Uh, the older one then staggers into the garden and collapses. Um, Back to Ginger's house. So this is the good stuff. Uh, <laughs> estate Agent fucking Joe turns up. Um, she pulls them into the house clearly just choking to get fucking fingered em big cully goes out to the garage and gets a shooting iron out bursts in on them they are just on the cusp of fingering it's heartbreaking I really needed to know if the fucking drapes match the fucking curtains do you know what I mean or the curtains match the fucking carpet or whatever they call it (laughs) alas I was never to find out Um, however she turns out to be a bit of a fucking boot because she's basically like that he tried to rape me that's just not true at all hen do you know what I mean Um, and I've just written here what a boot (laughs) Uh, Curly then kind of torments the state agent guy with a gun Ends up pulling the trigger, turns out it was empty all along. Oh,
0: well, well, that... we're skipping over. We're skipping over red silk underwear, Baz. With good reason.
2: All right, <laughs> I'm not talking about another man's pants, Duncan. <laughs> if you want to focus, we can focus on the blue satin play suit. <laughs> but we are skipping over the red man panties. Okay. Right, but a you got them ma- in
0: Boston. This is a kids' show. You've been to Boston. Right.
2: I have been to Boston. I did
0: not did come you buy back of like that one. <laughs> did they have the red socks on them? Is that what it is? Did I get that sport reference right? Please tell me I got you, that right. You did. You actually did. You <laughs> did
2: but it's, it's not red socks. He's wearing it's red pants. Anyway,
0: just wants to know if it. the socks match the pants, Buzz.
2: Oh, actually, yeah. I do mention them. See, you jumped the goddamn gun. What I was about to say was the scene where he torments him with the gun is actually quite well done. Um, There there is a a, a kind of harrowing element to it. He really does torment the shit out of the guy. And then I've written here he runs out the house in his boxers. So there you go. They do put in an appearance in my notes. However, as he runs out in the satin red strides, this clawed hand thing appears in front of him and it, it does that 70s freeze frame thing. And then Cully goes in and slaps his fucking wife about something terrible. Uh, which makes me think he probably doesn't believe the rape claim at that point, because if he does, that is quite harsh, Cully. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, our man Hutch, however, is back up the lakeside fingering his girlfriend again. Oh, Jesus. Um, so when... much fingering going on. Exactly, it's It's wild. And then Estate Agent Larry turns up in his car naked and unresponsive, basically. Um Danny Glick, right? So this is the older Glick brother, the one that's come home. His vampiric wee brother then fucking floats up to the window. Yeah. This, this is, is the bit scene. that you're talking about right now. To be quite yep. frank, Duncan, I thought he looked like an anemic extra from Peter Pan. <laughs> right. <laughs> Danny opens it, and the boy literally swims into the room. End the scene. Right? It, it's awful. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, I I disagree. I don't think it's awful at all. If I you think were it's,
2: scared it, by this, you should be in the jail. The jail for
0: big fearties. Without this scene, you don't get a, a very similar scene in the Lost Boys. So this is pioneering of the time. There was nothing like this before. So I'm um, sure there
2: wasn't. But did they really have to dress him like the littlest vampire? Well,
0: are we going to talk? Are, we, are we going to pick at the fashion in this movie, Baz?
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair play. i have got to give you that. <laughs> um,
0: not, I think it's. I think it's the fact that it's. it's to be honest, this is maybe the best shot sequence of the movie. I think in terms of the, the, the setup, the the camera angles, the it is the it, soft it was focus. all right until the swimming motion when he came in. The thing
2: just float in me, man. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> just floating,
0: just floating.
2: Float just, uh, just, you don't need to swim. What's that all it's, about? It's the... you're, you're a demonic son of the night.
0: Yeah, but you're he's not just a kid, fucking like... good, Hugh. It's like the remnants of still being a kid somewhere in there. It's that kinda you know what I mean? And then the it's the maniacal look on his face, that kinda weird smile with the glowing eyes and Is that not just cause his wee
2: plastic dentures are too big for his mouth? <laughs> Thank yes. It is, I he think does have teeth like Ross
0: in that episode of The Friends where he puts the bigger thing. It <laughs> <He> really does. It
2: really does. Oh, well uh, Right, classic Baz V horror for a 45 year old's eyes on a modern take I don't think it really stands up I do take your point, I'm I'm sure it's fairly iconic in terms of vampire cinema Yes Um, And I would have to take a guess actually that Salem's Lot must have been one of the first kind of modern takes on the vampire myth Would I be right in saying that? and that it's set in modern times rather than Victorian times, for example.
0: The '70s was when all that stuff started happening. So um, you would have had things like uh, uh, Count Yorga was the early '70s, and there's was a Dracula. Uh, oh, I can't remember There's a there's a Christopher Lee one which is kind of a rip off of Count Yorga, and then we'd had things like Blackula and all the rest, like black exploitation stuff set in yeah. modern times. This is like, this is this is like an uptelling of all those ones played off like the hammer horror idea uh, of a vampire story this is kind of like the first modern retelling of the Nosferatu story
2: yeah 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 yeah. so yeah in that heavy.
0: respect in that respect yeah is pretty much the first one
2: yeah yeah. um oh god where am I we're not even finished. It's floating through it. Film, doesn't yeah. hold up. Yeah, 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 right. So uh, the police interview the soul man and his bird over fucking dead estate agent naked in the car. Mm. Um, graveyard Johnny finds his dog dead in the graveyard. only and it, and it is the most surprised looking dead dog <laughs> in cinematic history. That is one
0: Startled canine. It reminded me. It reminded me. There's a very famous Richard Pryor skit, uh, which I think is fucking one of the funniest things ever. When he's talk- he's talking about um, like it's either German shepherds or, or Rockwellers <laughs> And I can't remember the the full setup, but he he says it's sitting there like going, gritting like bare his teeth, and he's kind of like, oh, it's okay, little dog, and all of the rest. Of it. He does the dog voice, going, "Does it look like I'm smiling, motherfucker?" <laughs> <laughs> and the dog does. The dog looks somewhere between surprised and kind of like happy smiling dog. <laughs> it's also had the the Ross Teeth Treatment the teeth are so
2: fucking white yeah uh, and the eyes are so fucking wide. honestly it looks like it's been goosed to death <laughs> anyway um, the cops and the locals are now out searching for the youngest of the Glick Brothers um, they find a fragment of black clothing and Hutch says oh Straker always wears a black suit mm. right okay so does half the fucking universe David soul do you know? This what I mean? is how the
0: West Memphis Three got locked up. Exactly,
2: <laughs> exactly, sir. And the big fat racist sheriff goes to see Straker.
0: Apparently, you've your black suits, sir. Yeah, um, g- Going to go and speak to the foreigner, the Englishman that's <laughs> not from around these parts. <laughs> <laughs>
2: he, um, he goes to see him, questions him about the kids, uh, and then says, "Can you bring your suits into the station?" Um, he could have gone and bought two brand new fucking suits and taken them down to the station sheriff do you know what I mean come on yeah. you're the officer of the law uh, Danny Glick's in bed in hospital again the littlest vampire appears at the window again um, he lets him in he bites him that'll fucking teach him and it is, it's the least convincing vampire bite in cinematic history up to this point because there's another one coming shortly that's worse right uh, a nurse comes into the room the next morning Danny's dead in the bed uh, Straker takes his suits into the cops uh, Cully's driving about with his badly bruised wife and fucking the car basically can As if to say, this is what happens to you bitches when you cross me, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Look at this. This will fucking don't cross me, you'll end up like this, boot. It's wild misogynist, I think it's
0: got to be said. What was her name? Bang Bang Betty. What was her name? Boom Boom Bonnie. (laughs) Boom Boom Bonnie. (laughs) She's new, black eyed Bonnie.
2: Sorry, I'm, I'm not condoning hitting women at all. Uh, well, love let's move on. Um, oh dear. They're at Danny Glick's funeral. The mother faints. The sun goes behind a cloud. It's all very ominous. Every cunt fucks off. Apart from the graveyard Johnny. He, <laughs> he turns lives up there. yeah, he lives there. He turns up to fill in the grave. <laughs> the wind picks up a bit which apparently is hugely relevant. Uh, it makes him want to jump down into the grave and open the lid in the coffin. Wee Danny then sits bolt upright and bites him. It's not even in slow motion. It's just very slowly.
3: <laughs>
2: it's even less convincing fashion than his wee brother bit him earlier on it's hereditary do you know what I mean it's like I know it's the 70s right I know this is maybe kind of cutting edge cinema but really don't you think if you were moving at that fucking rate of knots towards somebody's neck they might just step to the side out the
0: way slowly do you know what I mean it's an old fashioned thing and vampire movies up to this point when a vampire went to like sink its teeth in it was always done slow and dramatic for yeah. emphasis, I, so I, I, did, I did kind of that.
2: wonder. I did kind of wonder because it's not just in the bite scenes, there are a few scenes with the vampires, and I wondered if it was kind of hinting at the idea of glamouring. It is, yeah. you know, like the, the the vampires can kind of hypnotise their victims, if you like, which would possibly explain it. It still looks like shit. Um, and that, thank God, is the end of this part of this fucking. <laughs> I, I, I am struggling to get the words out mammoth cinematic event <laughs> fuck me right
0: so can I just uh, say like my favourite thing ever is <laughs> my favourite thing that's ever happened in the history of record me is this guy living in the cemetery <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's so fucking weird it's so weird but it's the bit when David Soul just drives by looking and go like what the fuck are you digging in there? This <laughs> is <laughs> so good. So good. Now, if, oh. you, if you're doing any teaser memes, that's the ones that were popping out this week, sir. Oh, so good. Um, <laughs> what's that gun looking at? Uh, <laughs> right, so I then have to go and get the second DVD disc because the second part of this film's on a completely different disc.
1: Yeah, that's
2: not. That cool. sound you heard there was me throwing my DVD across the room. It kicks off with a recap of part one, which does make a lot more sense than the one at the start of part one, which recaps what you're about to see in part one. You get the opening credits, right? Then uh, the soul man's on the phone to his bird. I think she's in Boston or something like that. His landlady tells him that Crazy Ned's been hanging about earlier looking to give him a bit of a shoeing. Um, the, cops, the cops have been on to the FBI to find out about Straker, Barlow, and the Soul Man. Mm-hmm. Um, none of this tells us anything we didn't already know. Um, and they can't figure out why the Soul Man's so interested now. There are so many
0: so many scenes in this film that just lead nowhere but yeah but this is uh, this to me is like see every time someone says something against the like Kubrick's The Shining yeah Yeah, and you know it doesn't follow the book and it changes so much stuff from the book and all the rest for good reason the king books are fucking huge and you can't put everything in because it works great in a book but it doesn't work great in a film. And I think there's... Once again, I've not read the Salem Slot book, but I imagine that a lot of this stuff does go somewhere in the book, but it's put in here to... And plus, you've got to remember, this is... The version that we're watching here is minus an hour of yeah. the original TV movie, so... See,
2: I, I did wonder this. Now, I, I, I did pick up on it myself. Obviously, it's based in a film, and I, I kind of thought a lot of it probably does. But, like, for instance, the... The subplot with Boom Boom Bonnie in that is dead now in the water. It doesn't appear in the yeah. second half of the film. Yeah. Um, apart from possibly the the wee estate agent guy puts in an appearance later on, kind of thing towards the end. But that yeah. actual kind of subplot, and it it just feels like it's been handled quite clumsily in this. Yeah. I'm, yeah. You're right. I'm I'm sure it was tied up better in the book. But it's like they included, it's like you say, they included some of it and maybe just not all of it, and you're left kind of going, What the fuck? type thing. Yeah, they've included you know I
0: mean? the bit which makes it a horror movie, you know, the setup to him being bit by the vampire, yeah. but at that point, they've not included anything after it to tie it up because none of that. Will be relevant to the stuff of the vampire. Yeah. So you imagine they're taking four hours and they're trying to make the best horror movie they can out of it. And as a result of that, I imagine what's lost is a lot of stuff which does continue the, like the 25 subplot stories that are happening as well as the main kind of Barlow story over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. I totally agree with you.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, Soul Man goes for dinner with his old teacher. Uh, graveyard Johnny bursts in in the middle of it looking all fucking weird. Um, Doesn't remember what happened. Only seems to remember waking up in the graveyard in the morning. Well it's just every morning for you mate. Um, (laughs) Goes on about a pair of eyes. I think he was talking about Danny Glicks letting somebody in. Uh, The teacher wants him to stay at his house and I've written here in brackets. Elderly homosexual predator? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Danny then turns up at Mark's window, being all fucking weird like his wee brother. He's like, oh, let me in. But Mark manages to resist and scares him off a crucifix, because he's a fucking expert in all things occult. Um, <laughs> elsewhere, Graveyard Johnny's now at the teacher's house, sporting what is very clearly a vampire bite on his neck <laughs> the mm-hmm. teacher's all like what's that it's a vampire bite mate Sh- surely to Christ you can tell that that's what that is do you know what I mean <laughs> um, teacher phones the soul man at four in the morning he's like you need to come straight over and bring a crucifix um, they go into the room Teachers got making a big deal about the window being open Um, Graveyard Johnny's got blood in his shirt he also has no pulse Uh, and the bite marks are gone so this is all fucking fairly self explanatory do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. Um, I mean the soul man kind of wrap it out Uh, and the soul man's like you need to let the coroner decide what's happened Um, the morning they ask the doctor if anybody else has been experiencing strange things they're kind of looking to let him in on their theory Uh, it's the big fucking opening day at the antique store Uh, the soul man rocks up I think he's sizing up Straker Um, Hmm. tells him his aunt was the housekeeper at the time one time at the house Uh, he says oh I'm writing about the house and then we get this line about oh you'll enjoy Mr Marlowe. he'll enjoy you um, which everybody seems to shit themselves at, but yeah, you know whatever. Um,
0: Soul <laughs> Man goes home. So div- I, I love how like
2: <laughs> they on their thing. treasured teen memories. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's like one of my favourite things that you do. It's like we're always like that. Yeah, we love our listeners and all the rest. And every now and again, you just. <laughs> He just fucking (laughs) pissed in our face. (laughs) Here's your precious scene. There you go. Blah Um.
2: (laughs) fucking hospital. Wait a minute. Oh aye, soul man goes home, crazy Ned Tibbs is waiting on him, gives him a beating. hospitalizes the motherfucker. And he's like, the doctor, I want a crucifix. Doctor's still a sceptical about the whole thing. Uh, he's a man of science, Baz. Man he of is science. Yes, indeed. indeed. But back home, the old teacher's reading a book on vampires. Um, hears something moving about in the house. Finds Graveyard Johnny sitting in the rocking chair, trying to look all menacing and like a vampire. Um, <laughs> tries to
0: glamour him, he's like,
2: Look at me. It's uh, a lot of
0: hissing in this scene. I love it. It's just like
2: <sighs> look at me, a fuck up. <laughs> Do um, so you know what that is, son? That's lack of vitamin D. You need you in the fucking sun more often. Um, we old man's not having fucking any of it, and he forces him out with a crucifix. And can I revoke my invitation? Oh, you've read a book, right? Okay, we all get yep. it. You're now yep. fucking king of the vampires, uh, and he fucks him at the windy and then there's a heart attack, which yep. appears to be on the set of The Shining as well, for some fucking reason. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I've written here, crazy Ned's in the jail looking like they've turned the wains against them.
0: They've <laughs> turned the wains against me, boss.
2: <laughs> Remind me to tweet that video because nobody gets this joke when we make it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Nosferatu turns up, and it's not actually the Weekend for Poltergeist, it's Marlo. Mar- Barlow, sorry, not Marlow Barlow.
0: You're thinking um, of wine, you're thinking of Merlo.
2: <laughs> I really am it's because I've ran out of my fan Miguel Um, yeah and it's the first time we see his face and it's very much a. Uh, it's like you said earlier, it's, it's much more based on the kind of Nosferatu legend of Dracula as opposed to the fucking Ray Reardon snooker playing version Yeah. yeah um, Soul Man's bird turns up and tells him that Crazy Ned's dead uh, and the teacher's in hospital with a heart attack. He's like, You need to get back to Boston for safety. She doesn't go. Uh, they go to see a priest that's got fuck all to do with. Um, so uh, the big Soul Man uh, tells her, like, Oh, the vampires are creating more vampires. Basically, seeing so, you know, all these ones that are dying are turning into vampires. He's got it. Soul Man's got it now. Nobody will fucking listen to him. No. Uh, the doc comes running out, though. He's like, oh, the bodies are all disappearing. Um, priest goes to visit Mark at the request of his mum, uh, talking about his vision of Danny Glick. This triggers a minor earthquake. Um, and at the end, the vampire's lying under a sack on the ground.
0: This is the bit that got my daughter earlier on. Oh, so is it? Like, when yeah, it, it comes up like this,
2: well, uh, it's kind of odd the way, like, what's that big fucking sack on the ground, and then it starts to move and kind of climb up. But I, I could see why that would freak out a wee bit. Actually, uh, I'll, 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 I'll stop slagging. <laughs> see, uh, I didn't get scared. <laughs> 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 uh, and then the bar kind of rears up. From the floor and then knocks the parents out in a very comedic kind of scooby-doo like fashion by banging their heads together mm. um, then there's an amazing bit and you can do your impression You're basically Straker turns up and starts talking like Matt Berry's character in the IT crowd <laughs> no Douglas Renham <laughs> <Father! laughs> do it say stop holy man
0: yes yeah, back holy man back shaman back priest Back Shaman. the master. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good, so good. It just it's reminded like my... me
2: so much of Matt Berry, you know, that Toast of London and all those kind of shows that he did. It's mm-hmm. just, it's so like him, man. Brilliant. I really hope they fucking use him in my remake. <laughs> um, the <laughs> the priest sacrifices himself in order to allow Mark to escape. Who then vows to kill Barlow? Um, Barlow grabs the cross out the priest's hand. Yeah, and we then assume meets the priest. soul uh, man's at the morgue with the doctor. He fashions a wee cross out of two tongue depressors, which is quite <laughs> frankly depressing. Um, And he uses this tiny wooden cross to fight off the reanimated corpse of Danny Glick's maw. Uh, It fucks her right in the forehead with it. Right in the face. Yeah, right in the face. And then the transporter beam from Star Trek makes her disappear, basically. (laughs) Erm... On the drive home, the soul man tells the doctor, basically, they need to plunge a stake into Barlow's heart in order to kill him, but the striker's mortal and they can kill him fucking any way they want, basically. Um, and he's like, ah, to this you need to leave with your mum. Uh, various people then start to turn up, all looking a wee bit vampire-y about things. <laughs> Um, the sheriff's deputy the landlady, they're all feeling a bit under the weather they're turning into vampires Uh, Susan takes a drive up to the house where she sees wee Mark trying to break in with a wooden stake she goes in after him Uh, ends up in this massive room covered in bird shit Uh, the the interior of the, the, the mansion thing is actually very well done in terms of a set the thing uh, is very convincing. <laughs> the bird shit adds a lot to it, bizarrely. Yeah, um, it's really creepy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we see Mark up the stairs. He's kind of running about amongst a lot of dead stuffed animals. Um, Susan catches up with him, tries to convince him to leave, but he's all out for revenge and you know all that. Uh, he then gets knocked out by Straker, who takes uh, Susan prisoner. Mark gets tied to a chair. Uh, Soul Man tries to stop the sheriff leaving town he leaves anyway but gives him a gun uh, the doctor tells him that Susan's not left town yet uh, mm-hmm. so they go to a church and steal some holy water and then drive up to the house Mark has somehow escaped now this is one of the fu- it's like you were talking about the editing earlier on there's yeah. clearly a scene where Mark escapes in some way
0: yeah, which we don't we don't get. It, yeah,
2: so they made this thing three fucking hours, five minutes long, I clearly omitted a bit where he escapes, it, it, which... it pisses me off. You could have easily cut down on three scenes of Straker driving his car, yeah, and just showing yep. me how that wee boy got out of that chair.
0: Agreed, agreed.
2: Um, inside the house, the doc and Soul Man kind of split up. Soul Man gets his piece suit because he's all told up now. Uh, Mark comes back out of the house. Straker confronts the Doctor. Uh, lifts him up and rams him into a wall that's covered in antlers. Yeah, because Straker's, like, got the strength of a bear. Apparently so, and I've just written here where the fuck did he get
0: super strength from. I think this is the... Isn't this the thing, though, about Renfields? Like, in vampire lore, I think... Are they not, they're not immortal. They can live off the blood of insects or whatever or they they're forced to but they are blessed with certain powers to protect the vampire I'm sure oh, right. I'm sure that's part of the lore somewhere right, he says okay. sure." I might just be making that up sounds plausible let's just go bit. yeah fuck it yeah. why not
2: um, Yeah, cause then he comes down the stairs to get the other two and they shoot him, like this old man shoots him hundreds of times and it takes ages for him to collapse but he does in the end um, they end up doing in the cellar they find a locked door leads to another room, they smash their way in the centre of the room is this kind of lead looking coffin that's surrounded by all the various townsfolk that have turned, they drag the coffin out into another room the sun's going down now um, they open it there's Barlow lying there he opens his eyes nobody looks that bothered
0: um, I love this, I love this scene because little Mark starts looking at his eyes and Soul Man's having fucking none of it <laughs> lobs him into a table Yeah, but it, <laughs> it,
2: I've, I've just written that Soul Man does him in with a stake and what has got to be the most anticlimactic ending to a three hour movie ever Yeah. so, you know I mean he's in, he's in there, he's opened his eyes oh my god he's alive right I'm just going to stake him then Granted, he does pound that steak in for about 15 to 18 minutes. (laughs) Right, a good three, four hundred swings of the hammer. But you
0: thought there'd be a bit more of a struggle or something, do you know what I mean? It's the traditional end of... It's the end of Dracula, isn't it? It's the traditional end of vampire movies up to this point as you track the vampire back there's only two ways to kill them generally in movies, uh, although there is technically three or four ways to kill them um, in lore, but they either die by sunlight or you drive a stake through their heart generally if they're in their coffin which is like a, a standard kill which is fine if your novel is, I don't know, 100 pages long and your movie is an hour and 15 minutes long. That's okay. But when you've been on a three-hour journey... Yeah. ...with this Barlow guy who's taken ages to finally get here, that we've been hearing all this stuff about, who clearly is, like, fucking... Like, like crossies don't bother him and all the rest. This guy is, like, like badass mofo vampire. Uh Yes, you're totally right. The payoff here is kind of she?
2: yes that's one way of putting it Duncan that is one way (laughs) of putting it sir Um, the other vampires they try to crawl out the room to get them so the wee guy guy just locks the padlock again
0: yeah I love the fact that because it's not evident that they're doing it at first and the camera keeps going back to Marky what's happening you can start to see their faces crawling from the darkness love that scene I think it's fucking great
2: yeah it is but then he's just like, oh, right, I'll just unlock this door. That's that done. Then the soul man's like, Susan! And then they just go outside and torch the place. Could, could you not have looked about a little bit more? You know what I mean? Granted, I know you've only known her 18 hours or whatever, but really, to burn her alive. And he's he's, he's, he's oh, forgive me, Susan. I don't yeah. think she will, mate, to be honest. no. after that. No. You know what no. I mean? Yeah, that's... Is it, that's one Relationships of those things that we fucked. cross that line? Yeah, you're you can't, you can't go back. You can't go back. Relationship's <laughs> dead in the water. You um, see She'll the house against us, You <laughs> <laughs> see the house ablaze. We hear Susan screaming because he's just left her in there at the um, And then there's all this bollocks about oh the winds blowing towards the town. The town will burn. Probably won't considering that fucking house sits basically up on out. a hill a mile yeah, or so away out. from the town. Yeah, it's not going to affect the town at all. They may get a, a smell of burning wood, etc., <laughs> wafting down the valley towards them. Do you know what I mean? Possibly some small pieces of ash blown on the wind might mm-hmm. sully their white washing on the line. But other than that, no, probably not going to affect them in any great deal. But they're convinced that it's going to drive the vampires out, who will then spend their lives hunting down David's soul and this wee guy. Epilogue. We're back in Mexico, where we were at the start, so we see the whole bit of them stealing the holy water again. It all lights up. Oh, we've been found again. Then they go to this little shack that they appear to be living in. Lo and behold, Susan's lying on the bed. Oh, I love you. We'll always be together. Opens her eyes. You see, she's a vampire. Oh, kiss me. Big soul man officer with a stake because he's motherfucking stone cold. <laughs> stone cold vampire killing motherfucker. And then yeah. him and him and this kid that uh, they just they did the take off again. End of story. End of three hour fucking five minute story. <laughs>
0: Right, right. Before you, before you start football, be I imagine some sort of systematic annihilation of what three hours of your life <laughs> that you're not getting back. Uh, Ryan D. Nicklow said of this movie, "A worthy successor to Nosferatu as Herzog remake came um, in the same year." A four point five out of five. Max Falkingham said, "Bloody window bit terrified me as a kid." Three out of five. Matt Jones says. A bit long due to being originally a TV two-parter, but a fun and often creepy vampire tale with a good performance from a top cast, especially David Soul, and a great uh, performance from James Mason. Four on the Netflix scale for me. Lee Russell says, Love the vampire design. Love Toby Hooper, who remains, uh, who re- t- retains, sorry, some creepy moments from the novel. Kinda love this film, but damn, this is too long. But then again, cutting the novel down any more just can't possibly work. Three and a half stars at five. Uh, Kate Pollock says, I love this movie. Really close to the novel, considering it's king and we know how much he likes to pack into a book. And one of the rare, truly scary vampire flicks. Four out of five. And the last one. Well, this is maybe my favourite comment out of all of this from Pete Quint. He says, Long and creepy. Much like my willy. (laughs) Three out of five. Nice. Yes. Right, uh, that's uh, that's that's what they said. Baz, what did you make of *Salem's Lot*?
2: Um, yeah, it, it's it's got its problems, and it, it's like what a lot of the listeners have said there. It, it's you know four hours worth of a TV movie. Yeah, I've never seen the four hours of it. I've I've seen this three-hour cut-down version. I don't know what was lost in the original editing. I don't know what's been lost in the editing to get it down to the three hours or so that's in my copy of it. Um, I just think, it's like I said earlier, if ever there was a film that was crying out for a remake to me, it's this one. Now I am aware that there is a remake uh, with Rob Lowe in it, which I'm actually, I would be quite interested to watch that. Um, I it's know not you very don't, good. well. See, I know you don't like it, but actually, a lot of the like reviews and that on Amazon, people do like that movie, and a lot of them have said it's actually closer to the book, particularly the character of Marlow, uh, Barlow rather, yeah. um, is closer in that one than in, in this one.
3: Yeah, um, but, I, I always, but I just but think
2: I really think you could take this and condense it down into say an hour hours 40, hours 45 and make a really good film out of it.
3: <sighs>
2: do you know what I mean? Just There is just a lot that you could cut out and not lose anything. In my mind granted I am not a filmmaker, neither am I. Well, another, I was, was going to you know say, I mean? but
0: then what differentiates it from any other vampire movie? Do you know what I mean? The, the, the thing that I think King does well in his version which obviously Toby Hooper takes and then moulds and his version is this idea of of the siege of a town. You know, this idea of the of this this town and this creepy house which appears to in the folklore of the people that live there, this this house itself seems to draw evil to it. And this is the this is the place that this vampire's decided to set up his new court so See, I,
2: I just didn't get, I just didn't get that feeling of a siege, and and I get what you're saying, but it didn't feel like yeah. that to me. Again, I don't know. the pro- The biggest problem I have with that is I don't know what was lost in the conversion down to the film that I have seen from yeah. the original. Do you know what I mean? Um, and apparently, you were saying I think there's an even shorter version than the one that I yeah. watched.
0: The UK version was cut down to a movie that could have been shown in cinemas, so I don't. I, I think it's about two hours long, if yeah. that. Um, so I imagine a lot of the the just general stuff um, involving the. I think a lot of the tertiary stuff involving certain characters just going to disappear mm-hmm. altogether. Um, interestingly enough, now I have seen the Rob Lowe one. Can't even remember how long ago that was, uh, but as recent as recent times, because I only found out about it, must be within the last four years, because I found out about it early on and doing the midnight horror show, because Danny was talking all about it then, uh, and I did check it out. It's still three hours long, so yeah, that was no. one of the points I was going to make.
2: Actually, <laughs> as you know, that when they remade it, they didn't condense. I think it's about ten or fifteen minutes shorter than this one but yeah. it's not any noticeable difference. I think it's two kind
0: of movie-length episodes as well, because it was done for TV as well, so it's two one-and-a-half-hour movies.
2: Right, right. Yeah. Another thing I thought was actually quite interesting, and I did say there, I was asking you earlier if it was the, kind of the first of the modern vampire movies, Fright Night is a huge rip-off of this.
0: Fright Night's a huge rip-off of... Salem's Lot is kind of riding that wave of a, you know, the original kind of spectacular, you know, Universal classic movies as well as all the stuff that came out in the fifties, um, and Salem's Lot is playing very much off the back of that as well. So yeah, as part of the, as part of the influence, into the fright night. Fright night is deliberately trying to be like the sort of movies that Salem's Lot and like I mentioned earlier on, Count Yorga or, you know, Hammer's Dracula. It's trying to be all those movies but put them in an 80s setting. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it's very, very, very similar. But it's, it's very similar in the way that Salem's Lot is very similar to a lot of vampire movies that came out the decade before. So, it's, if you know what I mean, they all kind of... It's the one genre of cinema where to me the movies that are the best representation of vampire films are the ones that are the most different from any others, so like when I watch a movie like um, uh, Only Lovers Left Alive or Kiss of the Damned or uh, Let the Right One In, these movies are not, or even Thirst uh, the Park Chan-Wook movie these movies are not your standard kind of vampire movies the have vampires in them, but they really f- kind of fuck with the lore, the the kind of the kinda, the, uh, the attributes, the the kind of stories, the setups, the the tropes, and the beats of a vampire movie. And that's what makes it stand out for me because essentially, from like nineteen what thirty one to nineteen seventy nine, the formula doesn't change at all. It's the same movie over and over and over again. The setting's slightly different, but it's exactly the same movie over and over and over again. You have some place somewhere, a vampire comes in, uh, starts messing up with the townspeople, one person eventually finds that he's a vampire, tracks him down, kills him, end of movie. Um, It's exactly the same formula over and over and over again. So, Salem's Lot is kind of... is on the final wave, so to speak. So It's on the kind of outgoing... It's basically that, yeah, after this point, vampire movies, like, into the 80s, vampire movies completely change, um, and that's why, if you don't have a movie like Fright Night, which kind of does it, but does it in a kind of really more fun, quirky 80s way, once again, I think you don't get movies like Lost Boys. Like, Lost Boys benefits from the fact that, I mean, up until that point, vampire movies were pretty much gone, no one was interested in them, they wanted slasher killers and all the rest, um, it's it's a weird. It's it's maybe one of my least favourite subgenres in horror. Vampirism. Yeah. I just I I just it doesn't do much for me at all. Um, yes, yeah, it's,
2: it's hard to see a kind of originality in a lot of them.
0: Yeah, and no, this is King obviously doing same. his one. Yeah, his one, which is obviously King himself, is a huge fan. of of all that kind of gothic horror shit anyway. Um, So he's been doing his version of it, his updated version of a vampire movie by setting it in a modern time and all the rest. But he's still essentially doing, you know, playing within the the confines of a vampire, like, story. And as a result of that, when you see it on the screen here, this, I'm 100% with you, as a TV movie, I think, as two two two-hour parts, this, at the time... Is a spectacle, you know. I mean, this yeah. is one of these. Oh wow, and all the rest. But by modern standards, you know, if they were to do Salem's Lot now, I would imagine Salem's Lot would be a maybe even a six-part miniseries. buzz but they would do shitloads with it. Mm-hmm. Like they would, they would have loads of different things going on with it. I mean, a great example is we watched. Remember Penny Dreadful? Yes. Penny Dreadful's central character was Dracula the, the main big bad guy was Dracula in the background of that but there was so much plot going on loads of different things that that really only bookended the series mm-hmm. um, and that's what made it really really interesting that, that to me is how you do a modern retelling of Salem's lot like Barlow is mentioned right at the very beginning and then there's little snippets him um, as we go through, and then the final episode there's like a whole episode with the, the big, you know, showdown with Barlow. But you have all that weird shit to do with the town happening in between, and that's how you, that's how you do that telling. And you can do that now. Um, the the TV version of it, I've said it many times, is another TV movie, which is far too long. Um, the first half of that movie is. Fucking great! The second half of that movie is pretty terrible, uh, and the ending's woeful. And once again, it sticks not like fast and true to the King source material, but it, you know it follows it pretty tight. And there's just certain things that I think if you're going to adapt King for movies, you need to just let the director do what they want. And I I get the feeling that uh, Hooper and the screenwriter were so tied into the fact that, well, you look at what the Palma did with Carrie and it became huge. So we need to, we need to stick with this as close as possible and deliver as much as we can on the screen. And as a result of that, you get a, what is a, ostensibly a three hour movie with a pretty, pretty anticlimactic ending. I mean, yeah. this should, this, this vampire should be the most badass of all badasses. We saw him throw himself through a fucking window and murder a family. Um, yeah, our, our David Soul character drives a stake into him. Yes, it takes about 15 minutes of hammering, but he just lies here. He doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is frustrating. It's very, very... Like, the end of the movie is, is frustrating. I love the atmosphere of it, though, but does it need to be three hours long? Do I want a three-hour movie of atmosphere? Not really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's a film... I'm kind of glad I watched it. Erm... Um, I'm kind of glad I bought the DVD for a fiver, and not the Blu-ray for fucking 30, because um, <laughs> I, I don't know how much I would return to it. To be honest, it's not something that you can just stick on, because you need to put aside three hours, basically, to watch the thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you're never really going to go, oh, fling that on for a bit. Do you know what I mean? Um, glad I've seen it. It wasn't what I was expecting, I've got to say. Um... Just because of all the things that we've been saying. You know, just all the kind of extra scenes that were in there that didn't really have anything to do with the plot and so on. This kind of book conversion type thing. Um, I love David Soul in it. Um, I've always loved, loved David Soul since I was a kid and I saw him in Starsky and Hutch, do you know what I mean? And this is just right when he was at his prime in Starsky and Hutch he would have made this movie. So that that kind of brought back a lot of fond memories. Um, interesting to see some of the other people that were in it as well that have gone on to very successful careers. Um, I suppose the only other thing was that I didn't find the, the, the visage of Barlow particularly frightening. But then I could see, you know, having seen a lot of the kind of modern vampire stuff where they've tried to make them absolutely terrifying, looking like things like Dirty Days of Night and things like that. Yeah. Um I could appreciate in 1979 that was probably scary. Bear in mind a lot of the people that would be watching this on their TV would never have seen Nosferatu or be familiar with that kind of image of the vampire. Um, So I'd imagine it was quite scary at the time. Again, it's lost its impact nowadays just in the way the film's quite dated. Do you know what I mean? Um, But yeah, overall, a good watch. probably my least favourite of the ones that we've done, I think for Mazowine, I've got to say, but um, I think a a lot of that is probably just the length of time it's taken me to watch it kind of thing, you know?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a movie that still holds, like, for nostalgic purposes, it still holds a close place to me. I I saw Salem's Lot when I was younger, eh, quite a bit younger. Um, It never really ever terrified me, but I I remember having this on... it must have been over two VHS tapes as well back in the day as a rip, um, and you know it, it would be a regular watch for me. And sometimes I would just watch the second half and not the first half. Right. Uh, like fucking just skip that, let's just get to the good shit. Um, but yeah, so it, it was one that I was you know well versed on as like a kind of young adult, um, and they never revisited it for years. And then, obviously, in the last for the last three years, uh, I have visited it once a year. Um, funnily enough opened that Blu-ray for the first time to watch it tonight, um, and just realised like once again how long this movie actually is. Uh, and like you say, you need to set you need to set aside a night to watch this movie. Um, it's not just that like you know I can do it. like you need to like I'm clearing three hours of my life now to sit down and watch this movie. And um, yeah, a lot of it doesn't really hold up but there's certain like the performances and certain scenes I know which didn't have the impact for you just transport me back to when I saw the movie and I just remember I don't know, there's something very un Toby Hooper about this movie. Um, but at the same time there are just little flashes in here when I'm like that, yeah, that's the the, the Hooper I know and love. Um when you see him kind of return to vampirism in something like uh, Life Force, which is a fucking bonkers movie, uh, there, there are elements where he's obviously taking those skills and taking them over. So, yeah, I mean, for, from my point of view, it's always a movie that's going to score pretty high on a Netflix scale just because I have a lot of love for it. But that's not what the people want to hear, Baz. What they want to hear is what you think. Now, thus far, to, to remind everyone... What the standing is, People Under The Stairs got a 2.5 from the Baz. Uh, Baz swung a 3 to Poltergeist and a 3.5 to Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. I get the feeling that this one is not going to push us up into the and beyond level, so give us your Netflix grade for Salem's Lot.
2: Um, I think... I'm going to have to drop back down to about two point five.
0: Two point five, right? See ya. See Yeah, this one scores like a four for me comfortably. Uh, but like I say, I can t- Everything you're saying is a hundred percent right. I can't disagree with it. It's too long. It's poorly edited. Um, and there's certain scenes that just don't hold up over the test of time but my nostalgia glasses go on as soon as I watch this movie it's one of those ones that I just there's a weird warm fuzzy feeling when I watch Salem's Lot uh, that'll always be there it's never it's never shifted it's not a movie that's ever really changed in my opinion for the full time I've you know i've been aware and having watched it so but yeah i think that's totally fair i think that new people sitting down to watch this movie you horror fans especially sitting down to watch this movie would probably score it lower than you're scoring it so that that seems fair buzz that seems fair oh well, that's a long one out of the me sure does which is. means well we only have one movie left let's let's take a short break and come back and and set that motherfucker up Uh, what we'll be doing on the last week so we're going to take our final break and we're going to be back to close up this show right after this you're listening to the podcast under the stairs And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been Bazoween, episode number four of 2018. We took a look at Salem's lot, which means there is only one week left of Bazoween to come. And to see he has left the best to last is no understatement here. This is huge, huge news because we are finally ticking off a movie which has been years in the uh, in the dreading from my point of view because I don't think you're going to like it. Uh, and I fucking love it. It's uh, in my top five horror movies of all time. Um, and of those movies that are in my top five horror movies of all time, you like at least one. No, you like two. You like the thing. And you like um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so yes. we're, and you like Halloween, so we're we're fine here. We're we're three of them. So you must obviously like Suspiria, was That must that's you know that's how that works. You I must like it. it. You that's must.
2: Exactly how that works.
0: <laughs> oh, how, how are you feeling? That's like movie number four out of the way. One left, and then we are we are uh, bidding farewell to October once again. Hey,
2: I'm I'm feeling alright, Don. This, this year's not been half the kind of battle that the previous years have been, we're only doing half the films for one kind of thing, Uh, I got to pick them all myself, so there wasn't any trepidation this year with any of the films, it it was a genuine looking forward to watching them type thing, Um, yeah, and they've pretty much all stood up, I've got to say, even Salem's Lot um, was a bit of a slog getting through it, but you know, I I did enjoy it, I did enjoy getting to see it, and I'm glad that I've seen it kind of thing, Um, slight, slight bit of trepidation about Suspiria, just because it's been so long coming um, I don't think anybody knew if we were ever actually going to do it or not um, and yeah just Argento has never worked for me before and I'm not totally convinced it's going to work this time either
0: <laughs> but we'll see yeah all I'm going to say is my only advice pre-watching the movie is do not go in looking for a narrative plot that you can hang your hat on. Mm. Look at it as uh like a fun house. Like one of these ghost houses that you walk through, one of these roller coasters. This is a roller coaster event of a movie. And if you can if you can approach it like that, I think you'll be fine. Just imagine it being like a rock concert. Okay. Right? That's that's what the movie is. It's not a Sit down and let's tell you a story of a, you know, like it's not like a campfire story or anything like that. Like a lot of horror movies are, oh, this one is purely. This one is an experience. Um, was it oh, like? It also has like a, out with pieces has like maybe some of my favourite taglines of all time. Uh, where is it tagline? Suspiria. <laughs> Oh, they're great. Uh, um, the only thing more terrifying than the first 80 minutes of Suspiria is the last 10. <laughs> so is, am I correct That's in fucking... saying then that it's
2: only uh, 90 minutes long?
0: It's an hour and a half. Yes. Oh, it's an hour and a half long. It's an hour and a half, yeah. You're fine with this one. The remake, which comes out in November, is apparently two and a half hours long. So I've managed to push another hour of narrative in there, which... I don't know why you'd want to, but I can't wait to see that movie. I'm genuinely excited to see the remake of Suspiria. Um, there's another one, there's another tagline which says something like uh, if your skin doesn't crawl while watching Suspiria, it's on too tight. <laughs> which I just think is <laughs> fucking awesome, man. Absolutely awesome. Uh, yeah, it is one of the bona fide heavy hitters of the genre and we will tackle it in one week's time, not that I'm trying to hype the fuck out of this this final episode. Uh, There's a couple of things I want to say before we we sign off from this episode. Obviously on these ones we've skipped all the Where to Find Us shit. Yeah. but there are a couple of things uh, the first thing I want to say is that um, pre-orders are going very well for the Basilween enamel pin we're about two thirds sold out already and they're not actually available to the end of the month nice. um, which is bonkers so don't delay if you want one get your pre-order in today and do that through tputtscast.com and then click the merch tab or go to tputtscast.bigcartel.com and pre-order your one over there um, yeah please do that Uh, Also, I just want to say at this stage, for when this episode drops, um, it looks like October is going to be our highest ever number of downloads in a single month, ever, Uh, and I think that's a testament to a lot of hard work that's went into this month, but I'm going to say this idea, Bazooine has, the numbers have been fucking impressive. Uh, and I think it's down to the fact that you picked a good run of movies, man. You picked a really good run of movies. I like the stripped down, stripped back format. I think it I think it works really, really well. I think people get in, they get a chance to listen to it. Punch in, punch out. Um, and the fact that we're, we're tying it in with what other people think, so you get to hear what the listeners think of the movies in the same review. I like this one. It seems to be working well. Uh, and yeah, we will close it out in strong fashion next week. Nice. Baz, but... Before we do that, though, sir, uh, the last word is always with you. Is there anything you want to say before you say goodbye to our dear listeners?
2: No, I, I think we've talked plenty in this episode, sir. Um, three-hour movies, and we're approaching, I think, about two and a half hours talking about it, or maybe just over two, which is long just for over the baz episode. Yeah, episodes. which is long compared to um, the other ones, yeah. So no, just uh, tune in next week for Suspiria,
0: folks. Ooh, right, say goodbye, then, Baz. Bye-bye, folks. Speak to you all soon. And from myself, uh, thank you very much for checking out the series. Thanks for all the love and support. Wherever you are, whatever the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big, bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish Broadcasting Live from Under the Stairs, and I am signing off. We
1: arranged for several of you to kill each other so that we could take over your bodies. No, never. never. In your black fingernails Nobody needs you when your eyes turn wide in the light of day can keep you up all night Because B is for vampire B is for blood So give me your money I'll give you my life Yeah. You terrorize V is for vampire, V is for blood So give me your money, I'll give you my love V is for vampire